And today we're going to talk about a God who is present. I feel like there's like three sermons in one today. So just get ready, cancel all your plans for the afternoon. <laughs> just kidding. We're going to be fine. Um, but, but we want to talk about a God that's present. Uh, we want to talk about a God that's inviting. And we want to talk about a God that is the source of all of our strength. So today we're in a series, um, Courageous Faith, and really what this series is all about, we're looking at stories and characters in the Bible who had courageous faith, faith that helped them do what they needed to do to honor God and to be obedient to God. And sometimes we look at those stories, and you know, sometimes there's miracles, there's things that happen, and, and we can get in the habit of looking at those stories and thinking that that's a, a Bible thing. But here's the thing, I, God is calling us to have courageous faith. And the same faith we see in these characters in Scripture, the, the same things that God was doing then, God is doing now. God is present. God is inviting us to be a part of it. And God is the source of all of our strength. So today, as we, as we look at God's Word, as we look at this story, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. My prayer is that God would speak to you and that we wouldn't just look at characters with courageous faith, but that God would be creating and growing our faith and giving us courage to be who we're called to be and to join him. Um, so today we're looking at one of my favorite Bible stories, Matthew chapter 14. It's the story of, of Jesus and Peter walking on water. It, I have studied this scripture over and over again. I, I've, I've preached it. I've taught it. And I love this story. And, and the thing I want to tell you today is, is that God continues to speak I can teach this every day, and in years from now, God will continue to speak to me in new ways through his word. And so my prayer today is that God would speak to you. Uh, real quick, let me set the, the stage for what's happening. This is happening in, during the time of Jesus' ministry. So, so Jesus, uh, the Savior of the world, he, he had about three years of ministry. When we talk about ministry, I'm talking about his public ministry. When he started teaching, when he started healing, when he started his journey to minister um, to others and his journey to the cross. That journey lasted about three years. And today's uh, story happens just about the halfway point or a little bit past the halfway point of that journey. And, and so Jesus' ministry is, is going. He's been teaching. He's been leading his disciples. He's been healing. He's been performing miracles. And, and, and things are kind of starting to heat up at this point. People are noticing. They're seeing what Jesus has done. They're getting excited. And so at this point in, in the story, Jesus is growing in his ministry. And chapter, so we're in chapter 14 of Matthew. Just earlier, I, I want you to know what's happened before this. At, at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus finds out that John the Baptist, his relative, his friend, the, the, the guy that kind of paved the way for Jesus to come, this is an important guy, he finds out that John the Baptist has died. And so Jesus, in the middle of his ministry, withdraws to a, a, a quiet, um, a solitary place, it says. I think this news was affecting him. Listen, one thing I want you to know that Jesus is present and Jesus loves you. And, and, and we see in this story that, that Jesus loves us and, and he loved John the Baptist. And so he's affected, even though he's the son of God, even though he can do all these miracles, he's affected by this news. And so he withdraws to a solitary place to be by himself. But as I told you, things are heating up. And, and so all of these crowds, all of these people follow him, 
And, and, and that solitary place is no longer a solitary place. It's, it's filled with people. And, and so at that point, um, Jesus, it says, I love this, it says in Scripture that Jesus had compassion on them. Imagine he's just lost someone close to him, he's, he's upset, he tries to get alone, and this crowd just gathers around him. One thing I love about Jesus is he didn't say, hey, I need me time here, get away from me. He had compassion on them, and he began to heal them, and he began to take care of them. And so then it came time for them to eat, and there was no food, they were in a remote place, and so Jesus then performs one of his most famous miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, 5,000 men and then women and children. And so they, they need food, and Jesus performs a miracle with just a little bit of food, makes it enough for all these people, and he takes care of them. And, and that's the place where we come to in chapter 14. We're going to be in verse 22 to 33, and I want you to stand with me if you're new to us here. Uh, we stand for the reading of God's Word because we believe this is God's inspired Word. We believe that God worked through people to write His Word and that this is God's Word to us and that God actually speaks to us and moves, that this Word is living. That may sound weird to you, but I promise it's not. Like I told you, I've studied this Scripture over and over and over again, and this week, it's alive. And God is teaching me things that I haven't seen in the previous times. And so we stand because, listen, let me just say this again. I say it almost every week. It's not about what I can teach you. It's not about what I have up here. This is about his word and what God wants to say to you. And so let's read God's word together, starting in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, uh, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Praise God. Have a seat. Today, we're going to see that, that Jesus, that our God is present, that our God is inviting and that our God is the source of all of our strength. He's everything we need. And so, so once again, this story is coming on the heels of a great miracle, a, a famous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. Stuff's growing. People are excited. The crowds are growing, getting bigger and bigger, and, and people are getting excited. And, and Jesus does a weird thing here. He sends his disciples away. He says, I want you guys to go on out on the water, and I'm going to this is, probably isn't what he meant, but he's like, I'm going to get rid of these people. 
Now, he's, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. That's a better way to say it. He didn't want to get rid of the people, but he wanted to dismiss the crowd. And, and I want you to know there's something happening here because that might seem counterproductive. That might seem weird because you would think Jesus, this great teacher, this great leader, would want bigger crowds following him, right? This is a good thing. More and more people are following him, and they're getting excited, and word is spreading. But, but Jesus says, hey, I, I need you disciples to go out on the water, and I'm going to dismiss the crowd. And then when the crowd is gone, Jesus goes and spends time in prayer. What's up with that? Why would, why would Jesus send these people away? Here's, here's what I, I want you to see about this. All those crowds that are following him, they're following him. They want more. They're following him. They, they, they want more of this guy that's doing these miracles, but I think they're looking for the wrong thing. See, these crowds, they're looking for a Savior that's going to come and going to take care of all of that stuff out there. See, they got problems. You got problems, right? Let's just take some time in your mind. Think about the problems that you have, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to do this, but there's good news coming. Think about the problems. What are the problems in your life? You don't have to say it out loud. Maybe people are being mean to you. Uh, maybe there's problems at work. I think we can all think of some problems in the world around us. Uh, you know, hatred, violence, hunger, war. And, and there's all these problems. And the people that were gathering around him, see, they've seen Jesus heal. They've seen Jesus do these cool things. And so they're like, I want a part of that because I want this guy to fix all of my problems. But Jesus didn't just come to fix all of those problems. In fact, Jesus really came to fix the problem which is not out there, it's right here. That every single one of us was born with a selfish and sinful nature. And listen, we've seen this play out over and over and over again in, in history, in the history of our people, right? We see it all the time. We can fix those problems, but as long as there's problems here, it's just going to get messed up again. We can put whatever government in whatever place we want, but as long as there's a heart problem, as long as there's a selfishness and a sinfulness, we're just going to mess it up again. And so all these people are super excited, and they're like, this is the guy that's going to fix all that. And Jesus says, no, 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 I didn't come to fix all that. I came first to fix this. That's the real solution. And so that's why Jesus sends them away. He sends his disciples away because he knows that they're getting excited, that they're getting pumped up, and that they're only going to fuel this more. And so he sends them away. And this is where I think things can get kind of tough for us. I told you the first thing we're going to talk about is that we serve a God that is present. We serve a Savior that is present. So, so what happens is the people leave. What do you think those people are thinking when Jesus says, you got to go now? They're probably thinking, man, this guy really doesn't love me. And he, he, maybe he doesn't want to help us. And then we see these disciples, they, they get in the boat and they go out into the middle of the lake and all of a sudden there's a storm. It says that the, the waves are coming up against the boat and, and they're in trouble. They're in the middle of a storm. So think about this. They've just come off this huge miracle. God's done, Jesus has done this incredible thing and fed these people and he's healed people and everyone's pumped up. And, and now we've got the disciples sitting in a boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus is nowhere to be found, they think. 
And we got people who have been fed and people who have been healed, but now, where'd that guy go? Listen, I think sometimes we, uh, we can fall into this place where we think Jesus doesn't care about us. We think that he's not there for us. Maybe some of you here today, I know we've got some visitors. Maybe some of you here today, you don't know anything about this Jesus guy I'm talking about. This is new to you. Maybe you've heard the name, but you really don't know. Listen, I want you to know that Jesus came to this earth to be the Savior of the world, not to fix all that, but to fix the biggest problem, which is the gap between who I am and who I was created to be, and to make things right between myself and God, to bring healing, not just to end hunger and end war, but to end the sinful, selfish problem that we have and to reconcile us to God. That's who Jesus is. He's our Savior. And while we may want Jesus to come fix all those problems, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes we do in the church, right? We sit here and we think, hey, it'd be really nice if you'd just go clean up all that stuff. Jesus came to fix this. And if I'm being really honest with you, sometimes this needs some fixing. (laughs) So maybe some of you, you don't know who this Jesus is. Maybe some of you are like the disciples, and and you've seen God do some cool stuff in your life, but now you feel like you're in a boat in the middle of a storm, and you don't know where he's at, and you think, what's going on? Where did he go? Has he left me? I want you to know that we serve a God that is present we serve a God that loves us. Just this week, I, I met a new friend, and I, and I was talking, and, and, and this friend shared with me that, you know, he used to go to church, he used to believe in God, but, but lately he's been questioning, is Jesus the guy? Is he really the guy? Is he really the Son of God? Is he really my Savior? And that's the real question, because sometimes we, we want Jesus to do all this, and Jesus says, no, I want to fix this, and we can feel abandoned, or we can feel, maybe you're like the disciples, and you're in the middle of the storm, and you're just thinking, where'd you go? But Jesus is present. And today, the best news is this, he is here for you. Jesus' very purpose of coming to this earth was to heal the biggest problem that you and I have, which is our sinfulness and our selfish nature that separates us from who and what God has for us. And so Jesus comes to them because he's here. So yeah, Jesus went and he prayed by himself and the disciples felt like they were on their own, but Jesus, in the middle of the storm, comes walking across the lake right to them. Why? Jesus didn't leave them. Jesus wasn't going to let them suffer. He wasn't going to let them die. He was there for them because he loves them. And so he comes to them and, and all of a sudden they're terrified. I mean, picture this, like put yourself in this position. Any of you ever been in a boat during a storm? Okay, I really haven't, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but I've been in a boat when it's not storming and it can be kind of terrifying, can't it? I remember we went to uh, like, oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, whatever it is, Squamish. We went up to the like northwest coast and we, we did kayaking. And so Megan and I get a kayak and we get in there and we're paddling around. And it's cool at first because we're by the shore. And then we get out 
And all of a sudden, these waves are kind of strong. And, and listen, I, maybe I'm just uh, not that tough, but it's a little bit terrifying. We could see orcas in the distance. You know, they call those things killer whales. We could see them over in the distance, and I was, I was all of a sudden made aware that those are swimming in the same water that I'm paddling this little boat in. And all of a sudden, I was like, I don't know about this whole thing. What happens if we tip over? And I got, you know, got a little bit terrified. Imagine being in the middle of a storm, and that's where the disciples are. They're terrified, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking over. I mean, as if the storm wasn't enough, the wind, the waves, the rain, whatever it is. All of a sudden, now there's a guy coming up to them, and they're terrified, and they say, this is a ghost. But I love Jesus' response. It says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Now, I want to break this down for you. I wish I had put this on the screen. I apologize for not putting this on the screen, but, but, but I want you to see this. Jesus says three things here. This is, there's two statements with one really important statement in the middle. Jesus says, take courage. The other one is, don't be afraid. And the middle statement is the key to the whole thing. Take courage because it's, it is I. Don't be afraid because it is I. Are you getting this? It's not take courage because you're going to be able to beat this storm. No, you're not. It's not don't be afraid because there's nothing to be afraid of. There's plenty to be afraid of. It's take courage because I'm here with you. I'm present. It's don't be afraid because I'm right here. And who is Jesus? He's the guy that just fed 5,000 plus. He's the guy that heals. He's the guy that does incredible. I found this this week. This was kind of cool. Maybe you guys have already found all this and you're saying, wait, welcome to the party. But Matthew chapter 8. So this is earlier in the story. All right. Matthew 14 is this story. Matthew chapter 8. We're going back in time here to an earlier time in the disciples' journey with Jesus. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Um, this is another story that the, the disciples were involved in. Then he got into the boat with his disciples and his disciples followed him. And suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're about to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, listen to this, then he got up, and he rebuked the wind in the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is Jesus? Take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid, it is I. How can we take courage in the middle of a storm? It is I. Jesus is with us. How can we not be afraid in the middle of the storm? It is I. He's the one that fed 5,000 plus. He's the one that heals. Guess what? He's the one, in their very own words, that controls the wind and the waves. Praise God. Jesus is with us. Sometimes we get spiritual amnesia, don't we? Sometimes we've, we've seen God's goodness. We've seen it over and over again, and then something happens, and we, we just lose it, and we, we forget that he's with us. We forget 
that he's the one that's already calmed the storm. He's the one that does the miracles. Take courage. We talk about courageous faith. Why can we have courageous faith? Take courage. It is I. How can we not be afraid in the middle of the storm? Let's be honest. We get afraid in the middle of the storm sometimes, don't we? But listen, he is with us, and he is the one that calms storms. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. No matter what you're going through, no matter what we are going through, we can have courageous faith because Jesus is with us. And the question that my new friend asked, let me answer it. He is the guy. He is the one who calms the storms. He is the one that created all of this. He is the God who saves. Listen, I want you to know today, first and foremost, I'm, I'm only on point one out of three here. Sermon one out of three. I'm sorry, we're already 22 minutes into a 30-minute sermon and we're on point one. But I want you to hear this and it's very important. We serve a God that loves us and is here with us. Some of us just need to know he's here. Maybe, maybe you don't know who this Jesus guy is. I hope that you're hearing who he is. He is salvation and life, and he loves you. Those people who he fed he loves them. He came for them. The disciples who felt abandoned, he was with them. He loves them. Today, I don't know what you're going through, but there's a God that loves you more than you will ever know. Second part, speaking of courageous faith, Jesus, what did Jesus say? He said, take courage. Why? It is I. Take courage. Well, Peter took him literally. He's like, okay, you want me to take courage? I'll take some courage. And he says, all right, Jesus, if that's you then tell me to come to you. If you're out there walking on water, I want to walk on some water. If you're able to do that, and you're who you say you are, then let me be a part of that. And Jesus says, all right. Come on. We all love Peter, don't we? Like he's that friend that's always in the middle of everything. He's always the one that's stepping forward first. He's always the one that's putting his foot in his mouth. And he's like, listen, okay, if that's you, and really this should be translated not if that's you, because he knows it's Jesus. It really, really could be translated, since that's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, yeah, get out here. Come on out. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. Man, I love this. this uh, can I tell you that I've got like three sermons today, and part of that is because God's been preaching three sermons to me all week. And the first is this, that God loves you and is with you. And the second is this, we need to get out of the boat. You know, as church people, as Christians, if you're new, I'm not lumping you into this, but sometimes, just like those people, we say, hey, God, it'd be really cool if you'd fix all that stuff out there. You know, I'm sitting in this boat, and it's kind of stormy out there. Would you please take care of that so I can get back to my comfortable place on this boat? And, and sometimes we sit in our churches, and we think that, that God's coming to fix all that mess, and we think, hey, we're just going to sit back, and we're going to watch you do this. But I love Peter's response here, because not only do we serve a God that's present, we serve a God that's inviting us into what he's doing. 
And so Peter says, hey, since that's you, call me out there. If you're going to walk on water, I want to walk on water. And Jesus says, get out here. And he does. Listen, church, we need to get out of the boat. We can't sit in our comfy chairs and come here each week and expect God to do everything out there in the world. That's not his plan. His plan is to invite us out of the boat into the world, into the mess, to be a part of what he's doing. And if you watch this, Peter says, okay, let me, tell me to come to you. And he says, come to me. And Peter actually gets out of the boat. And what's happen- what happens? He's walking on water. We are invited out of our comfort zone, out of the boat. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I'm sorry I tell you these stories, but I remember this story, eighth grade, we went to uh, the jungles of Peru, and it was my youth group, and so I'm an eighth grader, I'm just this scrawny little eighth grader, I'm not very strong, I don't weigh very much, but we get on this boat and we're on the Marignon River, that's the biggest branch off the Amazon River, so we're talking about a big river, very powerful stuff in there that, you know, you don't really want to mess with. And we're on this boat with the missionary, and he stops the boat on one side of the river, and he says, all right, guys, jump on in and swim across. And he says, you're going you're to start swimming, and you're going to start here, and you're going to get out way down there because the current's really strong, but go ahead and start swimming. And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. I'm in the Amazon jungles. I'm going to swim across this river. And and some of the people in my group were like, nah, could you just drive us over there? It's pretty comfortable in this boat. It's pretty nice. I'd really like to make it over there without any trouble. So just fire up that engine and drive me on over. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. We're in the middle of the Amazon, and we have the, we came here for this experience, and we're being invited out of the boat Don't stay in the boat and miss it. Get out and swim. I think God is inviting us out of the boat. We don't just serve a God that loves us and is here for us. We serve a God that wants to call us into what he's doing. And we serve a God. Take courage because it is I that not only invites us out, but gives us the strength to do it. That's the third thing, that he gives us the strength. Listen, knowing Jesus and following Jesus should give us courageous faith. It should give us the courage to step out in faith. The Christian life is not meant to be a boring, weak life. We are called to follow the Almighty God. And listen, if you've been sitting on the sideline watching Him work, maybe today He's calling you out of the boat. Church, This isn't about our comfort. This is about what God wants to do in the world around us, and God is inviting us into it. So some of us today, we need to know that God is here with us. We need to know that he's our savior. He's the guy. But but for some of us today, we need to take a step of faith, and we need to step out of that boat. That leads us to the third part. Verse 29, then Peter got down out of the boat. I told you the, the third part, he's present, he's calling He's the source of everything we need. Verse 29, then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. 
And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? All right, so remember, Jesus said, take courage, don't be afraid. What was the middle thing? It is I. All right, some of you are with me. Way to go. <laughs> you made it this far. Let's get through to the end. It is I. The, the biggest part of those three statements is the middle statement. It is I. Without Jesus, the courage is wasted. Without Jesus, there's plenty to be afraid of. And we see this because Peter says, call me out. And Jesus says, all right, get out here. And he gets out and he's walking on water. He's doing it. He's doing what Jesus is doing. He's been invited into the mess, and he's doing something miraculous. I'm going to guess that none of us have walked on water without some sort of trick or something. He got out of the boat and was walking on water, but then something happened. That whole take courage, don't be afraid thing, he took his eyes off the, the middle part. It is I. It says, as he walked... He got distracted by the wind and the waves. And as soon as he got distracted, you know what happened? He lost his courage and his faith, and he began to sink. Can I just be real with you and tell you that this week that's been the temptation for me? To lose sight of it is I? Can I just be honest with you and tell you that sometimes the storms of life they get my attention. And maybe I, you know, I'm following Jesus, but maybe all of a sudden I notice something that's happening. And all of a sudden I start to panic and I start to think, you know what? I'm, what am I doing? I'm in the middle of water and I don't belong here and I don't know how this is going to work. And, and Jesus, I don't, I don't, and all of a sudden that courage and that faith starts to turn to maybe a little bit of frustration and doubt. And I start to feel like I'm sinking. Listen, Jesus is present. He's calling us out. This is super important. He is the source of all of our strength. Listen, courage without Jesus is wasted courage. It's foolishness. Courage with Jesus is great. It's golden. Not being afraid is, is crazy if Jesus isn't with you. We live in a world that's scary, right? But we serve a God that's bigger than all of that scariness and that mess. And so don't be afraid. He's with us. And so the third part of this is that we have to keep our focus on Jesus. And I'm just telling you that sometimes it's really hard for me because there are storms. There are wind. It's not like when, when Peter got out, everything got calm. No, it's still happening. And he loses his focus. And he starts to doubt, and he starts to sink. Listen, don't lose your focus. When we start to focus on the storms instead of the one who is greater than the storms, we lose our courage, and we lose our faith, and we will sink. We have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. For some of you, maybe today, you need to know that, that he's present, and that he loves you, and that he is the guy. Maybe for some of you, you need to step out of the boat, but maybe for some of you today, you need to get your focus back on the guy. You need to get your focus back in the right place. Well, Peter misses it. He starts to sink. And, and here's, the, you want to know who Jesus is? Here it is. Peter starts to sink. What does Jesus do? He reaches out, he grabs him, and he saves him. Because our God is a God who saves. 
Our God is present, and he knows us, and he loves us, and even when we blow it, he's right there to grab us and to call us out again and to give us the strength our God saves. The end part's pretty important, too. Verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat with him worshiped, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I love that. The question that my new friend asked me, the disciples got it. And there was no other choice but to worship him and to say, you are the Son of God. Listen, today, I don't, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're coming from. Some of you, I, I don't know you that well. Maybe you're new to this. Maybe you don't know who this Jesus is. Today, I want you to know that Jesus is here and that he loves you. Our God knows you, created you, and is present with you today. Worship team, you guys, come on up. Maybe some of you today just need to know the God who loves you. Maybe some of you, God's speaking to you and his word is speaking and saying, it's time to get out of the boat. Stop sitting back and, and thinking, I'm going to do everything. I want to call you into this. Guys, Christianity's not meant to be boring. It's meant to be his journey and we're invited into it. Some of us need to get out of the boat. And some of us maybe just need to get our focus back on the source of our strength. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. Stand with me. And then I want us to do what, what the disciples did at the end of the story. I want us to worship the God who saves. I want us to be thankful for his grace and his love. I want us to keep our focus on him. I want us to worship him with everything we have. And so let me pray for you. And then let's just praise him because we serve a living God who calms the storms and feeds the poor and heals the sick, and saves the broken. Father, we love you today. I thank you that you know each and every one of us, even people that are watching online that, that maybe have never stepped in the doors of the church or those that are here for the first time or, or are new to this whole thing, don't even know you, Lord. You love us, you know us, and you are present today, and you want us to know you. You want to save us. You want to transform us. So I pray that each and every one today would know you as their Savior. Lord, I think for some of us, you're calling us to step out of the boat, to get uncomfortable. I pray, Lord, today you'd help us to have the courage to take that step. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep our focus on you, that you would be everything, that we could take courage because you are God and you are with us. And today we gather together with people online, with people here in the building, and we worship you together because you are God and you are Lord of all. And so we thank you, Lord. I thank you that you love us, that you know us. I thank you that you call us, you invite us. I thank you that you give us the strength to have courageous faith and do whatever you call us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we worship you now together. We celebrate now your love and your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.